Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the town, Brian Godluck was living with his family sound. The lights they were glowing within their abode, A happy electrician with his wife and his brood. The children were playing with joy and great cheer, Excited for Santa and presents this year. When out on the street there arose such a clatter, Gunshots ringing out, 
What could be the matter? Away Brian ran to see what was amiss, but was met with a tragedy so remiss, for his son had been hit in crossfire, it seemed, and Brian's own voice was lost as he screamed. The gangs disappeared into the cold winter night, leaving Brian struck mute, a horrific plight. His son lay there lifeless, his eyes vacant and dim. The chance of this Christmas being merry was slim. Brian's sorrow was heavy, his sadness profound, his family now broken, his happiness drowned. He knew what he must do, a mission so clear, to avenge his son's death and spread holiday fear. So into the darkness this father did go, to find the gang members through ice and through snow. He would not stop until each one was dead, for the blood they had spilled and the life they had shed. He swore by the light of the moon up above he would have his revenge for the family he loved. No more joy or cheer, no peace shall you know. For the evil you've done, you gangsters of woe. The night turned to day, Christmas morning alone. As Brian set out, his vengeance to hone. For the spirits of family now guided his way on his personal mission of vengeance that day. So Brian crept forward, determined and bold, to write the next chapter, this story of old, of justice, sought out on that one Christmas night by a loving father turned vengeance-filled white. The Film Board Gathers. The Gang of Thugs is here to take on a movie currently in theaters, and this month we went to see Silent Night for you. <clears throat> uh, it's a John Woo thing, and uh, I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with uh, Justin J.J. Yeager. Hello, J.J. And uh, Thomas uh, W. Metz III. Tommy? Hello. Grand, grand to be here. Whoops. <laughs> I, uh, where do you start with a movie like this, right? Uh, we, we chose this movie for reasons to talk about this particular month. Tom, would you remind us and and dear listener, why did we choose this movie? It was not the biggest thing. No, I think the reason that we chose this movie was twofold. One was a little bit self-centric in that I used to work for the director, John Woo, for many years way back in the day. And I was there when he made his last American film, uh, Ben Affleck's Paycheck. Uh, mm -hmm. The film that starred when we got paid, when we got Ben Affleck attached, we were over the moon because he was one of the biggest stars in the world. And by the time the movie came out, they didn't even show his face on the poster because he had yeah. been so persona non grata through all of the Jennifer Lopez scandals, gambling, all of that kind of stuff. It did not do well. And John took his fortunes to China and has been directing before then, though, he has gone down in history as one of the legends of action cinema that so many of the young Action directors, new action directors that we have a uh, bit off of him, his use of slow motion, his insistence on showing where every single bullet lands. That was just stuff that wasn't being paid attention to in Hollywood. And uh, and so this was hopefully going to be a return to form after a long time away. We um, we uh, I hadn't Tom, you and I saw the movie uh, today. Mm -hmm. uh, JJ, JJ saw it earlier. Yes. Right? Yes. Yesterday, in yeah. fact, Friday opening night. Yeah, 
opening night. That's big. Yes. Um, yes. And I, I wonder, JJ, if you want to recount your initial feeling going into this conversation. Wow. Um, my initial feeling was fear. Fear that even talking about this movie would be <laughs> potentially <laughs> something that wasn't valuable to anyone. <laughs> I think oh, no. I think I think Pete you did the exact right thing by calling this a John Woo thing because my opinion about yeah. what we watched here was that this is not a movie this is a thing <laughs> this is a mm -hmm. at its best it's a lark or maybe maybe at its best it's a music video Right. And the mm. lark is the yeah. is the contention. It's the, the vehicle that's used to tell this story, which is, I guess, creatively, it's uh, there, there's an interest there. And in how are you going to execute on this? That's the lark. And the execution is maybe a music video, but ultimately at its worst, this is a joke. Oh, it God. is. I, I don't even want to rate it. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't belong in film. It is something. It's not a movie. You go in. I mean, it's hilarious. It's ridiculous. There is nothing cohesive about anything in this. So, you know, yes, we're talking about it as a return to, you say, form, Tommy. But, like, this is not this. We were hoping it was a return we were to form. We were it hoping. Was a return to yeah. form. It's, it's really, it's, it's a thing. It's an it's an indescribable thing that will make you laugh at how ridiculous it is. It's a joke. <laughs> and so my feeling okay. coming out of the movie was, yeah. oh, God. Right. We don't want to yeah. talk about this because at some point people are going to go, what? Why? Why would anyone if people watch this this thing, they're going to be like, what is that? Anyway, sorry. Mm. I, I mean, I, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm vehement about it. Yes, no. Clearly, I wish, I wish more people were watching the live stream because <laughs> to watch the way your face contorts as you talk about it is, yeah, is legendary. Like it's really, <laughs> it's fantastic. That's, That's Tom, the return to form. <laughs> Tom, is is this as much of a of a rage filled experience for you? I was very hopeful for this movie because when I heard that there was no actual on-screen spoken dialogue, that there are a couple lines, but they're all delivered off-screen by radio announcers. It's mostly, I mean, that's sort of the gimmick, what JJ was talking about saying the lark. Is it Silent Night? It is a dialogue-free movie. And I was hoping that that would really help Mr. Wu out with some of his, let's say, not things he's not as strong with which can be melodrama, which can be schmaltz, which can be that type of thing. And instead, it really may let him lean in too much to those things. It did the opposite of what I was hoping for and instead was part slog, part training how-to video. <laughs> and then I think maybe he lost his son. I don't know. The film didn't forgot to remind me every minute. Um, and so unfortunately it left him to negative devices that sometimes he has used in the past. And so I was very disappointed by that. And this is also in, in a situation of Thunder Road mining the exact same thing over and over again to lesser and lesser Ability, meaning the top of their game was John Wick, then they did nobody, and now they have this. They're just cannibalizing their own sort of revenge porn ideas to lesser and lesser effect. 
I think that I think that is a, a absolutely fair statement. The thing that I went into, the thing that gave me hope, what going into this movie was not even necessarily the John Woo ness of it, because you know we recently did the Mission Impossible thing, so I still have Mission Impossible two in my palette a little bit. I went in because of the no dialogue thing. I think that is a legitimate swing in an action mm-hmm. movie like this. And I am provoked. I am curious. I want to see this be successful because if they can keep my attention without any dialogue and still tell the story in a way that is that that feels like a legitimate, authentic story, then isn't that the stuff of legend, right? Isn't that the stuff that I'm always complaining about is exposition dump. There's no exposition right. dump in this movie because nobody's saying a word. And yet somehow <laughs> I feel like the whole movie ended up being a, a silent exposition dump film. Uh, and so I'm, I am perplexed by it. I don't think I'm as, as vehement as, as you are JJ, but I'm definitely on camp low end of the, of the thing. And I'll tell you when it really turned for me. Well, it, it was the surgery porn. So it's like 10 oh, yeah. minutes into the movie when Ugh. they just can't stop that gauze shot on his throat. It, that was the least uh, effective sucker. <laughs> yes. Like when they're what, like the little vacuum like, thing. What yeah, are they it doing? Was, it's not I think doing. It was, it's broken. It was shooting blood out onto yes, his neck. <laughs> that's what it was doing. It's like it was sucking and then re-pumping yeah. it back uh, from the other nurse, side. You have it on reverse. <laughs> oh, no. Terrible. Uh, so, so that kind of stuff, I, I just... I didn't care for. We need to talk about the whole mechanic of not being able to speak in in a bit. Um, but the the piece that that got me is they I I don't I can't watch this without thinking that they wanted to make old boy, and they made the least effective hmm. knockoff of old boy that I can imagine. The action was slower. The gun work was slower. The the gang members were. Um, you know, just not as not as agile and fast. And they relied on old tropes. So this is my problem with this movie. And this is what makes me frustrated by it, that you go in thinking you're getting a John Woo movie where John Woo is going to elevate action. And instead, we got a John Woo shaped movie where he delivered exactly what we've already seen before <laughs> and done with more slow motion. Like the, it w- there was nothing to lift this out of trope and i and i just i feel like that that's the the central letdown the fact that you did it without any dialogue is not an excuse for john woo movie having boring visuals <laughs> it one of the things that i it turns out i respect it more than i enjoy it i kind of dug the idea of this is the first that I know of Thunder Road movie where the guy isn't a secret action genius already. There were not awakening a sleeping giant. Nobody, Bob Odenkirk, used to have a past. Obviously, John Wick, everyone knows him as the Babo Yega. Um, this guy actually has to train and he really sucks at everything for a long time. I mean, including stopping that balls from hitting each other on his they desk. They go for um, months. But why I say I respect it more than not is it does. I use the word slog. There's it's kind of a boring movie, a lot of it. And if you're going to do that as realistically, more or less, as they did and show someone not being a good shot, slowly becoming a good shot, no pull ups, five pull ups, all the pull ups, dumbbells falling from the sky. You have to promise a action phenomenon at the end. 
And especially when it's all going to take place in one situation, in one area, you are promising me The Raid, the movie The Raid. You're promising me a Die Hard, this kind of a thing. And when we finally got there, I was so let down by pretty much every action sequence. There's one virtuoso meant to be sequence, which is the stairway sequence. And we can talk about the um, DP, whatever it is. I thought it was terribly shot. I never really knew where I was. There was the pacing was so weird. It was just it was all waiting for that 15, 20 minutes. And that 15, 20 minutes was such a drag. I was so disappointed. Well, and you talk you you talk about respecting it and i get i get why from a objective point of view you may want to respect the fact that they tried to tell a story about an arc about this character growing into his revenge journey but what because it was executed so poorly and because there is no logical sense in anything that happens in this movie it really (laughs) turns out to be obligatory right i mean like Instead of it being something that I can respect, it looks like a box that they wanted to check out. And be like, okay, let's show the pull-up shot. Let's show the the the, hmm. the alcoholic sequence. Let's show. I mean, it, nothing yes. is connected to story in this. There's, I mean, we read a nice poem of what you know is is a way to think of this story. But I mean, that's all you need. You don't actually need to see anything. There's going to be nothing that you gain by watching this. You should not pay money for this. <laughs> you should not. It, it, it is a waste uh, of your time. There, okay. Even. Okay. I can't go that far. Okay. There were some, there were some so great shots. There were some well, good moments. What are moments. the things that you liked then? Let's talk about that. I liked the opening car chase between the two random gang people. And how that was when they were so close to each other uh, and shooting each other. And then one hits the, I think, a fire hydrant and explode. I was psyched. I was psyched by that sort of cold open. I was like, okay, we're going to go. And this movie is not going to stop. And I thought we were going to be like a three days earlier. And instead, he shot in the throat right then. This movie surprised me from the get go. I didn't realize we were going on the journey from jump because a lot of these movies start at the end and then you go back to find how we got there. Um, And then I just sort of and then I was really interested at times of, oh, so they're really not talking. Like, how are they going to do this? Is this exciting? Is this worth it? And it just everything sort of dribbled away slowly and then all at once through her leaving the house for me right their Mm. relationship being as fragile as it was that she just you know in the words of his on-screen letter at the end you loved me until you couldn't love me anymore and i felt that right like i i got that experience that that she you know she was present she was as present as she could be and then she she couldn't be present anymore and that's i i see it um and the the not talking bit I felt was used very well up front, especially after he threw away the the speech device in the hospital. And I was kind of on the edge of my seat wondering as I'm looking particularly at her face. I think she was really good. Uh, Catalina Sandino Moreno at at almost talking and that sort of perilous line of, you know, are you going to let me off the hook and hear your voice? And uh, and so I I enjoyed that. It was very short lived because then she leaves and we're in montage territory for a long time uh, watching him watch videos. And to his credit, Kinnaman, he's he's a physical guy. 
And I know he's an executive producer on this thing, right? Like he's he's got skin in this movie. My challenge with Kinnaman is he's he was he has a surly look from jump. Like he's he was angry when he wasn't supposed to be angry. He was angry <laughs> as a loving dad. And I never got anything other than one note. Uh, you it's know, a lot of just staring at his face sort of. Grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. It really it's too is. much. It's a, it's 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 it, that's it. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. So uh, I struggle with that. He looks great. We didn't get a lot of physicality porn like but he does take his shirt off once uh, after the montage. He st- stops wearing baggy sweatshirts to hide right. the abs. He looks great like he does the work, Kinnaman, um, which I, I'm pretty sure he did for DC stuff when he did um, Suicide Squad. And uh, mm. so he looks Is great. It- very, very impressive. You mentioned that that we move into montage stuff. Is there anything about this movie that's not a montage? <laughs> yeah, that's a fair. I mean, it's a all question. a montage. Uh, training montage. You're right. It's all a montage. It's an action montage. Uh, the death of the child montage. We get the the hospital montage, and we get the yeah. You're right. It's a. It could have been Michael Bay, um, with fewer. Why drugs. does he chase the cars? Why does it happen? That is a. How does he chase the cars? That is an unanswered question. We we are so I think we're supposed to fill that in with the flashback later when we actually see the the sequence where the accidental the stray gang bullet hits the child and they're all ducking. Yeah, he's trying to and get, he backs get back up at and the guys. screams on foot. And then we can kind of imagine with cars, you know, that that parental rage chasing cars fills him. Yeah, I know. I mean, I was there. <laughs> yeah, but like. <laughs> Ladies lift buses off their kids. I saw it in the news. And then the gang gang guy shoots him in the throat. Yeah. Because he's Yeah. Chasing cars? He hit Because he's angry. He hit the he hit the 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 car with a pipe. And he survives. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I love how you guys talk about the respect. Well, Tommy, you talked about the respect of like he was not superhuman. He trains to be superhuman. He survives a throat shot in isolation. Oh, that's true. As the complicating incident of this film thing, he was already shot in the back. Right. Let's not forget. I didn't think about that. He's pretty strong. Yeah. You can think that that guy would be able to do a pull-up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like that he did. He couldn't do two pull-ups and then two months went by and he couldn't do three pull-ups. I, was like, <laughs> I think I'd be, I would do better than that. <laughs> well, I mean, he was busy. He actually didn't practice between those two times. So. That's true. Right. I, I I think that this is a this is a movie and I think this is also a John Woo thing, right? That you can get away with more egregious violations of physics and physical health. Uh, in in the more traditional sort of Chinese m- action films. Well, peak peak John Woo is face off, at least in my opinion. I, I think everybody would have right. have an opinion about this, but I think that that really when you when you look at his filmography, you look at Face Off, and people who criticize Face Off would criticize Face Off because they see Silent Night in Face Off, right? They see schmaltz like Tommy talked about. They see when you talk about the the superhuman switching of the like this thing is again a creative vehicle that they made face off with but he at least leverages the schmaltz and that creative leap to something that is somewhat or bordering on cohesion and face off and i think and and that's the thing that brought us back to this that's why we're here to watch this but for me sitting in the theater as as 
an audience member trying my best not to laugh when everything is happening. Literally every scene was a laugh for me. Um, I'm thinking, oh, the criticism of Face Off was right. And the... But the, but the action made it worth but it. But the action made it worth it. And now we're seeing we don't have whatever else was there to set a foundation, to set a base, to ground a film like we had in Face Off. Now all we have is the ridiculousness. <laughs> and that's what this thing is. It's just a, well, a montage of ridiculousness. And I wonder, JJ, if actually the swing that I characterize the no dialogue as the big swing of yeah. this movie, if that actually might have fixed the movie, if they'd actually let the characters talk, right? If if that may have been the interesting thing. But I do thing. not want to hear the, the speech. Is, at the end of the movie. Yeah, when no, they I'm not interested the in the den of the that, like, a, like right. that. That... <laughs> That's a that's going to be a uh, director special edition, a Blu-ray special edition. It's the talkie version of this movie. <laughs> Face Off came out in 97. We were all in our 20s. I wonder if had we seen this movie when we were in our 20s, we would have a different opinion. Yeah, I think so, because it the problem is also that he has been he has been left behind. This yes. is a return to form as far as like a. Uh, guns to the wall kind of action film but the he's known for like these balletic strokes these the somewhere over the rainbow slow motion shootout in face off for instance these mm -hmm. kind of seeing violence as beauty and art and almost dancing Dance, and yeah. thunder road john wick all of these movies have done it way they have lifted the bar so high that you can't just sort of do the staircase shootout anymore and be excited by it. This movie is is of a time before, unfortunately, and he's just been left behind. Yeah. And and everything else screams they needed to do that staircase sequence well. They needed to have yeah. that final confrontation. Like the setup, the I think the production design, the set, the it like it looks ready for that level of action. It looks like having that giant vertical canvas. Mm -hmm. One of the pieces that frustrated me so much is and I, you know, I, it's not like I just w want to see gratuitousness for gratuitousness, but kind of I do. Every time he shot someone and flipped them down over the railing, they never showed know. the finished effect. They never showed the fall. You would hear it. You'd hear bodies banging on railings, but the camera would like it felt like they wanted to tilt down. But like John is under the lens with his finger saying, nope, too far, too far. Don't tilt <laughs> down. Don't show the whole thing. I, I just it felt so um, the just the camera felt so manipulated in a way that constrained the movie beyond vastly beyond what it needed to be. Mm hmm. Because I think so much about the camera was cool. They did a lot of these long sweeping shots, these moving shots through doors, these POV shots that felt really fluid. You talk about the the, the action as dance. I thought uh, there were a number of sequences where I was looking forward to the next door opening, right? Because they they got me there with this giant sort of move motion of the camera. And I thought I'm going to give the movie credit for a, a, a number of cool camera moves. Um, None of them really paid off in terms of the the punchline of an action sequence. And that was so frustrating. I think that's fair. I think one of the criticisms we talk about on this show a lot of times, on this show, on this podcast, a lot of times is when we have camera angles or camera shots that are done without 
a, a POV purpose. And it, in particular, one thing that I recognize from the motion control stuff, for example, when his name was Godlock, I was going to call him Kinnaman, but Godlock is in yeah. the uh, LPPD police department. Sorry. Every, every time I talk about anything for this movie, it just feels ridiculous. <laughs> He's sitting alone in a room and there is, and we, and the camera leaves the cop and tracks down a hallway and makes its way into the room that Godlock is in. But that represents nothing as far as a POV or anything that actually happens in the scene. And that stuff drives me nuts because I mean, it, last month we did the killer and we talked about the motion control shots of like having a story purpose, having a character purpose, having all of these things that as an audience member, you felt like you were participating in the story of the way it's there. So much of what we saw in this movie, both from a filmmaking perspective and a story perspective, felt so disconnected from purpose that it led me to believe like that's why i that's why i intro the show the way i did like i don't even want it to sit beside a movie like the killer this this makes me feel like the killer is a masterpiece of cinema you know and <laughs> yeah, I, and right and, and i don't know that i want to say that i love that movie a lot but this i'm like backing this up with this it, it's just so unbalanced and that stuff felt like the the kind of novelty that i just really don't like it's the the fact of let's do something because we can as opposed to for a reason i i think you're absolutely right and you that is a perfect example of of <laughs> the ghost pov right. that is that was nonsense because we finally get the pov later the pov that they give us when we track into the office with kinnaman is a pov that is fulfilled after Kinnaman leaves the office, because <laughs> we get the same shot with the detective coming into his own office and seeing Kinnaman now in the elevator. Um, and and so it is, it, I think for me, that highlights this sort of unrequited competence, uh, incompetence of editing, right? There were sequences in this movie that were forehead slappingly bad. The fact that they give us a, a montage of him gearing up and the diligence of clipping the shotgun to his, this is the first time he's in full hero mode. And, and we get the whole thing where he takes his leather jacket and he puts it on and he stretches his shoulders and he's got his big condor wings arms. And he's just so, he's geared up. <laughs> he's checked all the chambers and the guns all loaded. And the next shot, he's taken all of it off and he's writing a letter yes. to his yes. wife. Yes. And the shot after that, He's geared up again, walking into his son's room to grab the music box. I uh, that was that was like I, that was like a high point of my a peak frustration. Like I just I, I, I this is such an example of it's not even it's snatching defeat from the jaws of mediocrity. It's like you, you didn't even have a win, but you just you lost even that. It's a it's an own goal. Yes. Agreed. I laughed so, out loud. I, I, don't I laughed out loud. I wasn't frustrated. Yeah. I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was a joke. Yeah. This is I laughed this well is too. showgirls level bad. And when I say that, this is fully watching interviews with Elizabeth Hurley today, retconning her experience with showgirls, saying she never knew it was what it was when she made the movie. And now she hmm. understands how it was a career killer for her. This movie is that level of bad when you see exactly the sequence you're talking about, Pete. And it's just like, WTF? Yeah. Would you do that in a movie? There's yeah. no reason. Well, 
it's it's that this is the thing that that boggles me though is that like you, I I get the complexities of making modern cinema I get it I totally do and did anybody watch that sequence before they put it on the final reel Yeah you could edit the letter writing in anywhere else anywhere else yeah. It does not have to yeah. be with the gearing up ever Why It's a joke You know it could be immediately before the gearing up which is where letter writing belongs <laughs> You write letters before you gear up. I think everybody knows that. Right. Tom, you are sitting really silent and you're kind of chewing on your fists a little bit. And it makes me worry about you. It makes no, me worry that JJ and I have gone to a I'm place sorry. that you're... I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> no, not, I, I am not as throw the entire movie into the trash as JJ is uh, because there are... I also found some elegance in some of the... Mm -hmm. um, like the cut when he's getting out of his car, looking at his front yard, get it out of his car. And then I didn't see that shot coming of he gets out and it's sunny yes. and he's seeing his son. I thought that was kind of elegant. Uh, I liked that when when he laid down in bed and then the camera pans over and the, his boy is there. Uh, some of that stuff felt kind of either practical or well done, uh, which I kind of liked. I like that kind of elegance because that reminds me of a dance that this movie could have been. If you're going to go visual with no dialogue, make it count. And those were examples where I was like, oh, cool. This is neat. I have never and I've never seen John do stuff or Mr. Wu do stuff like that. Um, but I have seen him do a lot of some of the other things. Um, birds. I have yeah. to bring up the birds. It's a staple. Yeah. What we have here. Well, usually is, it's doves. It, usually it's doves. I think they're pigeons that fly away from the thing. And then we settle on. What I classified in my notes as a Pixar parrot. <laughs> when he shows it, because that's his spirit coming back to his body. Why does it look like that? <laughs> Why did it look like that? Because birds are hard to train. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> They're chirping all around the place. Yikes. Uh, I, I, I did, did, were you impacted by the, did that impact no. you? I laughed no, okay. because I was like, okay, we got a bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, got your bird. we got a bird. The bird looked at me. Like the bird were... stopped and with intention looked at me in my face. And I said, you are a computer bird. The... Why are you computer here? bird that broke the fourth wall. That's amazing. Yeah. Right. You, didn't you, hear, didn't you hear it say, cheap, cheap, get, cheap, 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 get a refund? <laughs> it was a warning. It was a warning from the end of the movie. No, because there's two things that we were waiting for. Slo three things. Slow motion, two yes. guns firing at once. Got and it. birds many times and weird well did we i thought we got it once with the double guns and it wasn't even our main character it was but it was over uh, over his back right so usually in a john woo movie you see it you know you've you're you're seeing the guns pointed at you or you're witnessing the right. theory of the we didn't get yeah, it that under way the guns. right we are we were behind we got it with the detective right. the detective from behind the over his shoulder looking at what he was firing at which it's the it's it's the action, but it's it's not the same. It doesn't have the same effect, in right. my opinion. Right. It it felt aged. It felt like elderly. It sluggish and incomplete. Yeah. And I don't move that fast anymore. And so when I go to movies like John Woo movies, you I want see. people to demonstrate crap I can't do. And I could do <laughs> what they did. I oh, know yeah. I could get shot and sit down. Well, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Uh, that is a. I, I think the the climactic uh, battle sequence is problematic. Um, I, I struggled, obviously after we, we struggled with the stair sequence after the stair sequence, since you guys broke the ice on the detective, the detective who really was purposeless for most of the movie. And suddenly 
is an action hero. Like he, by the time he gets to the top of the stairs, he's doing sliding on his knees and flipping around and dual wielding. And uh, it was super cop. We got super cop uh, all of a sudden. Where the hell was he for the rest of the movie? I, I felt know. like just in terms of uh, JJ, your point about this being sort of a montage music video, this is the 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 uh, a great example of that where we have this character that fills a hole for just a specific part of the film and nothing else. We don't really need him anywhere else. When I actually think this could there could have been a narrative in here that actually completes the investigation, right? Mm-hmm. That completes the the so the cop is not quite so behind. Uh, and we don't have to believe that he was able to catch up with one evening investigation sitting in his car staring at notes. Um, right. And make him a character that's worth redeeming. He was just a, not enough of a character. Everything is just hinted at. Uh, and especially with them both falling down at the end. There's a lot of wooisms and a lot of Thunder Roadisms in that whole last sequence. The both guys nodding at each other, the honor among thieves, the honor among vigilantes, that's very big in there. Them both, the crazy heroine lady shooting over and over and over again, and both people taking their turns, jumping into fire. That is a very John Woo move, a move that he's been doing since actually Wind Talkers. Wind Talkers was filled, another movie that I was a part of, is filled with people, because it's honor, are so mad at what's going on, they will jump up into the line of fire just to spray bullets, and then they all die. Uh, he, he, A lot of what he does is very honor and this sort of weird male heroic honor among thieves kind of basis. The other thing that where there was a real road uh, smash, road smash, not a phrase, a real car crash between the two styles <laughs> is the bad guy's and heroin ladies boudoir with all of the crazy balls hanging and all of the projections on the walls. That is a hundred percent thunder road. That's every single bad guy's layer in all of the John wick movies. But then the weird, awkward waltz that they're doing where they just had to keep cutting back. Cause he obviously didn't film more coverage there. That's very John woo in this weird. This is what someone who's never met a criminal thinks a criminal might be doing. You can see that in the face off in Nicholas Cage's, uh, bad guy layer which is just insane and doesn't make any sense and it's all just glass and things waiting to be blown that's up. where i connected it and honestly they were dancing for 90 minutes waiting for the the, yeah. the fight to get to them so, yeah. can i ask a question about, i think it was that nine inch nails song that nine inch nails song is not that long no, not at all not at all not even the extended version um not even <laughs> about heroin lady heroin girl crazy shooter so can I can I just can we just do a little just before you say that, JJ, this is really important. Tom, I would like you to improv the answer to this question before you hear JJ ask it. Oh, what was she eating that she poured all over him in the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it was exos. Like what was Slimer filled with? Ectoplasm. Exopla- ectoplasm. ectoplasm. She was ectoplasm. just eating ectoplasm. Okay, is that it? Good. Did That's I get it perfect. right? JJ? No. So okay. um she laughing it's a good game we're gonna do this again so she laughing crazy shooting all these things godlock godlock gets the drop on her with a gun that's and she looks at him with a crying face and he like they knew each other stops and then she shoots him yeah but what i specifically when i brought up the idea of how weird the pacing was That's 
the scene that I have in my head of like, you're going to slam the brakes on everything right now for this yeah. weirdness, which is just some vague, look how far I've gone. I can't shoot a woman. I know. What have I become? It, those, okay. So that you answer, there's the answer to my question, not ectoplasm, um, is yeah. what could possibly be the thought in either character's head for that moment? Are we having possum and pity or are we having regret possum and, and i mean but that it makes so no weird. sense no is it the same thing his reaction is that the same reaction that he was having uh when he saw the miracle of death he kids head in the ball <laughs> sequence a little bit later sure. I, I think they're motivated by the same thing, right? Showing the the regret of taking so much life and is this a justified thing? And who am I? What is my identity now? I'm so lost in the world of vengeance. And um and I think they were they were two separate triggers mm -hmm. that led to ultimately to him taking life, right? Like ultimately he's like, Nope, I guess I'm cool. And then he yeah. killed the bull. You right? can't have it both ways. And the movie yes. sort of vaguely tries to. And, and I, like I said about talking about the killer and how I don't even want to compare this to the killer, I even blanch at using the word revenge for this movie because it is not, I mean, it, that's, that's the, that's the theme. I guess that's the idea, but this is not, I mean, there's nothing realistic. There's, and I shouldn't even say realistic. There's nothing, there's nothing real about this. It's a montage of obligation that is that is that is close you mean nothing like genuine there's nothing genuine i mean this yeah right. like to say it's revenge sure. like yes that's you can put it on the revenge shelf but if you compare it to any other revenge film it is not there's there's no there's no train there's no sequence of events here that is anything other than a montage of what a child would think revenge should look like. I think, Pete, your question of whether we would have thought differently about this movie in our 20s is appropriate. But I think it's more for, you know, first time you ever see a gun movie, if you're going to appreciate that. There's there's nothing about this that that it shouldn't be compared to other revenge movies. I, I said on last last month on this podcast that I love revenge movies. That's part of the reason why I wanted to see this. And this is not that. But what's so interesting about that, JJ, right? It, the thing that is so fascinating about this is that we love John Wick and that entire thing started over the death of a dog. This one, he lost his own child and we're saying that's not authentic enough? What is it about this movie? Like, I agree with you. I feel like that's an almost rhetorical question because so much of what's lost in this movie is tonal, but you can't say that the idea of avenging your son is not a, an authentic kickoff to a revenge movie. I agree movie. with you. And it's something that John Woo has already done. We already brought up Face Off. You remember yeah. Nicolas Cage kills his son while trying to kill him. And just as a real sidebar, real, real, real quick, when we're bringing up the killer and how much we love the killer, we're talking about David Fincher's The Killer, not John Woo's John The Killer. John, right. John Woo made a movie called The Killer, no relation to David Fincher's before he made Hard Boiled. Hard Boiled and The Killer are like two of his most iconic. I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew that we weren't talking about that John Very yes. good one. Okay. That's yes. right. Yeah. yeah, and he actually talked about remaking that as an a uh, uh, right in 2015. I think oh, he was over and, over and over, over and over. It's, and over, it's right. been uh, in development every year for like a decade. 
Yes. Yeah. And, and anyway, Pete, JJ's your point fine. about that being an authentic reason. Yes, that there's no question that that is an authentic reason. And, you know, I think there's a little bit more to the John Wick story than just the dog. But the dog is the recurring sort of callback of what starts the revenge. Inside. Yes. The, yeah. the thing. But this nothing, the path that this character takes, it, it doesn't work. It's just a joke. It's just a music video montage of what, you know, you'd see a mumble rapper make in a, in a revenge idea. I'm surprised it didn't have directed by John Woo, you know, with a song at the end. Or maybe the police scanner that became the exposition dump through all of the chaos. Yes, yeah, right. I just. Right, that's right. I don't know. Again, I'm very, I'm very angry about it. And I, and I can't hold yeah. that back. There were, I there were, couldn't stop laughing at the calendar. At the what? <laughs> the calendar. <laughs> the calendar. Yes. When he first writes, "Kill them all," and I was like, "Oh boy!" I was I was hoping that like he had a calendar where he'd flip to it and it already said, "Kill them all." Uh, but then there was like stuff figured out clearly in post of like we don't know what's happening with the shootout so that it has killed them all and then next to it says start a gang war question mark because <laughs> <laughs> he shows up to a gang war already in progress. Start a gang war? Question mark. It's just such a funny use of calendar. And what what basic love cable level straight to video film has start a gang war? Question mark. And I mean, this is why I'm I know. embarrassed to even be talking about this movie. That it is, it's <laughs> that is hilarious. Rough. I acknowledge that. And that action scene was not well done. No. He was really excited. I think maybe Mr. Wu hadn't seen drifting before because yeah, he spends a so lot of drifting. time on drifting and to do that whole sequence just going around and around because that was the one thing he practiced shooting people at random and then casting his own daughter and having her die as a cop i don't know eagle eye uh, watchers will see that that was angelus Wu in the movie uh, that was his daughter who plays the uh police officer she doesn't get a line but <laughs> nobody gets a line no. so it's okay <laughs> yeah the uh, you know i i do stro one of the tropes i think of the thunder road things it's impossible to kill you know characters right they just can take a ton of damage uh, but it i i think this is interesting apropos of the question i asked just a minute ago like the things that that movies these movies when they're great can get away with and this movie doesn't the day before on the calendar he starts a gang war but it's because he goes to this house and he fights with that guy and then he brings the guy back to his garage and hands him a knife, practically. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And then they get in a fight, and he is stabbed in his leg. And never, like, the he's still, he the next day, he spent the last six months healing. And the next day, he goes and kills them all. And I, I feel like this movie, because I'm so not in the bag for this movie that every one of those little infractions I don't buy. When the impossible-to-kill dual-wielding detective stands up after getting shot twice in the chest with no vest, um, I don't buy it. And so all of those things, like they they were like paper cuts from jump yeah. that led to the dissolution of the movie by the end. I could not stand up fast enough when the credits rolled. I couldn't yeah. stand up fast enough. Agreed. I wanted to leave. I took a shot every time he wound up that little music toy. <laughs> that was so 
it's too much. It was just so schmaltzy. What did you drink when he wound it up after it was broken into pieces on his dashboard? That, that was cool, got, I thought. That was interesting because it was clearly broken and it still kind of worked. It was interesting <laughs> that in the bo- the Christmas tree bobble, it flashed forward to his son graduating from high school, which never happened, <laughs> but then back to him as a child. Yes. If you were going to continue that little then show a wedding, this is what could have been. But they obviously just had this one shot that they did. That's this film. It's a joke. Some it's of, ridiculous. Some of Mr. Wu's work has been really, really helped by the editing process, seeing early cuts and then later ones. And it's like, wow, they found the movie of a director who is admittedly visuals over everything else. Um, and no sense of what's melodrama, what's schmaltzy. Um, and this was not helped at all. If anything, it was hurt more by it. How did how did Godlock, without the ability to speak, get the gangster that he held prisoner able to answer all those questions? Well, the gangster is really good at standardized testing. And so all he <laughs> essays, needed standardized was the essay prompts. Testing. Essays, yeah. And so he was able mm-hmm. to just read... Yeah, I've done all those things. Fabulous penmanship. Um, fabulous. The, I did, you know, the core conceit of the of the movie is the the swing of not being able to speak. And I I you know, I don't I don't have my speech pathologist wife here to to check this, but believe me, I'm going to because <laughs> I think the damage that was done to his throat to render him unable to make sound, right? Destroying his vocal folds would render him unable to make uh, any sound. And there is a sequence when after the incident, when he's hugging his wife and he's trying to and he's he's when he gets he sees the newspaper that that reminds him that he lost his son uh, and he starts wailing. He makes sound. He makes sound. The only thing left for him to do is move his lips and tongue to make words at that point. But we're supposed to believe that he can't do that and i i really i mean if you're gonna like this is i don't know if it was performative or what but it was it felt to me like the effectively the vocal equivalent of of doves <laughs> it was just like <laughs> over dramatized sound dig if you will that's, the picture that's what i got out of it. exactly dig if you will <laughs> the picture <laughs> Uh, okay, so it was great, and we're going to come right back and we're going to rate it, because what else do we possibly have to talk about? <laughs> Join our community of online of fellow movie lovers on the True Story FF Discord server. You know what? We, You could come talk about this movie with us on there. I, you'll get one-word answers, I think, from those of us who have no. seen it, but we'll be there. <laughs> no, that's going to be my one-word answer. You can, no. you can join for free at the nextreel.com slash discord if you like what we're doing here. Help us out. Tis the season, after all. Become a supporting member at the nextreel.com slash membership to learn more about benefits, members-only discord channels, and uh, joining us for the live stream as we record them. Uh, you can head over there. It's super easy, and, you know, it's pretty cheap. All right, everybody. Letterboxd. Wow. Hmm. So we, we got it. We got to do something. We got to figure out where we're going to put it in our letterbox, where we're going to steal stars from some other movie in order to give it to this movie. And uh, I mean, JJ, do you want to get it out of the way? Is this is this where I think it's going to land? Well, I you? think I mean, oh, my God. JJ. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I mean, 
I was thinking in the, during the movie, I'm like, I think I gave Killers of the Flower Moon a one, right? Because of how angry I was at that politically yeah. speaking. So I was like, how can I rate this movie? And that's why I so much was talking about like, I don't think I should rate it. I would give it a zero stars because I just don't think it should exist. I don't think there's a reason for it to exist. <laughs> I don't think, wow. I mean, seriously, and it doesn't allow us to give zero stars. So that's the thing. I mean, I guess it's a 0.5, but like- You can you can just log the movie right, like in box. So that just means I yeah, saw I mean, it. So I'm going to give you zero stars I'm in a heart and that, I'm that'll vote be fun. You'll present. love it. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> yes. like yes. I did it. I was there. But really, like I, I, for me to even compare, like I want people to know that while I give Killers of the Flower Move a, a one star, it is phenomenally better than this. Like it like. Yeah. And so I'm just trying. It made you angry. Yeah, too. And it made me angry, too. But like to even put it in the same podcast is, is like mm. totally unfair because that's a movie and that has a reason to exist. <laughs> This is a joke and there's not really a reason for it to exist. So, I mean, okay. that's why I'm just like, oh, hey, can I abstain? I'm going to vote present and, you know, yes. But I just, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. Okay. And Tom, if you hadn't, you know, had an NDA, I'd be asking you lots of more intimate questions about your life with this production company. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm, that was a joke. I, I mean, we're years past yeah. that, but still. Yeah. Well, I think that is a great segue, Tom, to the emotional weight that must carry toward your affinity for Mr. Wu. Uh, Mr. Uh, Wu. You've been calling him Mr. Wu for the last hour. I know. It's just out of, <laughs> it's just out of, because uh, he always asked me to call him John and I never did. Um, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I ain't going to start of now. Years, <laughs> some of the years working there at that company uh, were wonderful. And I'm still friends with almost everybody that works there. Um, and, I was really hoping that this could be so much more and instead maybe it's sort of a at best a warm up of getting back into the Hollywood system because I'd like mm -hmm. to see more from him, but For not sure. more like this. But it did have some a few uh, successful sequences, not whole sequences, but parts of sequences. So I cannot give it a zero. I will give it a one point five and a not heart, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm. I think I'll I'll go ahead and split the difference. I'm gonna gonna hang out there at a one star, no heart. And uh, you know, I thought for a bit as I was driving home that I might be able to land on two stars, but I just it didn't live up to any of the John Woo expectation that I had carrying into it. It didn't live up to any of the American movies. It didn't live up to uh, didn't live up to Broken Arrow for crying out loud. Like I liked Broken Arrow more than this movie. But what I want is I want John Woo here making Hollywood movies like I want classic John Woo uh, ex exploring something brand new like let's try and do something we've never seen before and we just we got a movie shaped movie out of this one <laughs> um, but it just doesn't uh, just doesn't land very well so thank you uh, uh, gents for for <laughs> hanging out at the bottom of the barrel you guys uh, we did this, it you this guys month. owe me two dollars <laughs> <laughs> I want my two dollars what are we doing what are we doing next month? It's very exciting. It's actually because this is December and the movie that we're doing next month 
actually comes out in December, but we're not going to watch it when it comes out. JJ, tell us what we're going to go see Ferrari and we're very excited about it for lots of different reasons. It looks like a very interesting take on a very interesting history. And we have some history with the uh, director of photography, Eric Messerschmidt. And we've spoken to him about a couple of different movies that we talked about in the past month. Um, the killer that we aforementioned on the show here. And then Pete, you and Andy talked to him on movies we like, right? We we did. We talked to him for, for uh, the, actually, I believe it's if it's the December um, episode of movies we like. So uh, Eric Messersmith came and talked to us about Chinatown, which will be released uh, later this awesome. month. Uh, but yeah, so we are going to do Ferrari. We are going to be uh, doing that in the first couple of weeks of January. And so that will be our January movie. Uh, but I hope you can get out and see it. It is, uh, interestingly, it is a Michael Mann movie uh, and it is an independent movie. There's, he didn't get any studio <laughs> backing for it. So this is definitely a, a labor of love and, and passion. And uh, as a Ferrari head myself, I, I can't wait to uh, can't wait to see it. That's what we got. It's very exciting. It's just only it's only upside from here. Is really what I'm excited. <laughs> Don't forget to join our online community with fellow movie lovers. Again, thenextreel.com slash discord. If you're not already a member of thenextreel.com slash membership. Uh, thank you all, everybody, for hanging out with us, talking about this movie. We appreciate your downloads. We appreciate your time and your attention. Until next month, meeting adjourned. Here on the Film Board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's Stranded Astronaut Adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. Mm-hmm.